Good morning. I'm Ben Thacker Gwaltney, your worship associate today. And it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Waynesburg Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Our other worship leaders today are our minister, Reverend Laura Horton Ludwig, our director of religious education, Austin Peterson, and our musicians, Kaya O'Brien James and Dave Robbins. If you'd like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. The link is right next to the links to join in remotely. If you're visiting today, we invite you to share your name in the chat if you like, and anything you'd like us to know about you. We're glad you're here. And if you're not yet on our email list and would like to join to keep up with opportunities to connect, serve, and grow, please fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org, right underneath the link to download the order of service. For our Zoom participants today, please note that at this time you might want to change to speaker view so that you'll have a better view of whoever is speaking. Our AV technicians will be muting and unmuting you as needed. And again, for our folks on Zoom, we invite you to stay after the service for a time of small group check-in and conversation. One last announcement today. We've had some trouble this week with scammers making calls, spoofing our WUU office number and sending text supposedly from Reverend Laura. If you get any communications from WU that sounds strange or, or off, it's probably a scam. Please let the office know and thanks for being careful. And now we'll continue with music by Day Robbins. Thank you. 
Again, welcome. Happy Mother's Day to those of you that celebrate it. We're happy that you've joined us via live stream audio or video or Zoom. Whether you've come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You are seen here. Even if you're joining by phone and we cannot see you physically. If you're a visitor, we offer you a special welcome and a warm thank you for joining us online today. Now, I invite you to join in saying our welcoming words. Please, as you say these words, speak them to each other. Know that we are connected across the distance. The words are pasted into the Zoom chat. We'll do this as a call and response. I'll say one line, then you say it out loud wherever you are. Folks on Zoom will unmute you so that you can hear each other. Come on over. Come, come, whoever you are. Come, come, whoever you are. Whomever you love. Whomever you love. Whatever your image of the holy. Whatever your image of the holy. Your presence here is a gift. Your presence here is a gift. All are worthy. All are welcome. All are worthy. All are welcome. Welcome indeed. And happy. Sorry. Sorry. I just had to. Sorry, I just muted myself by accident. Welcome and happy Mother's Day indeed to all who are celebrating. Today we are digging into our theme of the month, which is thresholds. Thresholds, those times and spaces in our lives when, when we are in between one thing and another. And today I offer these words by the Reverend Arlen Goff, Minister Emeritus of the High Street Unitarian Universalist Church in Macon, Georgia thresholds we cross them every day from room to room from outside to inside and back again from here to there from anywhere to everywhere from age to age each threshold offers an opportunity for change for renewal for transformation from what we were and what we are 
to what we can be in this hour and in this place. We cross a threshold from our day-to-day, everydayness into space and time attuned to the other, to the sacred, to the holy, into an awareness of new life pregnant with possibilities. How will we be renewed in this moment? How will we be changed by this hour? How will we be transformed through this gathering of beloved community? Come, let us worship together. Now, if you'd please join me in saying the words to light our chalice as we highlight Austin Peterson today. If you have a chalice or candle handy nearby, please go ahead and light it now. And again, we'll unmute you and do this as a call and response. We light this chalice for the warmth of love. Alice, for the warmth of love, for the light of truth, for the light of truth, the energy of action, for the harmony of peace, for the harmony of peace, peace in our hearts, peace in our community, peace. World and peace in our world. Good morning, everybody, especially kids. It's good to see you. I see Zen. Hi, Zen. <laughs> so, I have for you today a quote from our friend Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I'm going to read you this quote, and then I'm going to ask you how you do this thing that he describes. So this is what he says. The happiest man is he who learns from nature the lesson of worship. And I know I, as a female, hear people or person in this quote instead of just man. But Emerson says this. I'll read it once more. The happiest man is he who learns from nature the lesson of worship. And so I'm curious. I just thought maybe you could type into the chat box today, what lessons of worship do you learn from nature? Angela shares, the wheel continues to turn. Susan shares, empathy. Katrina says, I learned that life is a constant change. Laura shares, the trees tell me, take it slow. You are strong. Teresa shares, stillness. Roger says, perseverance. Deborah shares, the sounds of birds early in the morning. Oh, yes. Angela says, there must be darkness and light. Mm. And multiple people saying, patience, patience. Stillness and storm, says Ben. Chris says, cooperation. 
oh my gosh, there's so many wonderful responses here. And so I invite you, if there's something that you could do in the day or in the week to come that would involve worshiping in nature, maybe go hug a tree. Maybe get your hands dirty in mud or dirt and maybe plant something new. If you're able to do that, may it feel worshipful and wonderful. Thank you all so much for sharing. You are appreciated. Thank you all. That was, um, I'm feeling a little choked up here. That was so lovely. Thank you, Austin and Dave. Thank you as always for your playing. So our theme this month is thresholds. And one kind of threshold we're looking at today is those special places, both inside and outside, where we might feel a special connection to the holy. And I want to share with you a reflection about some of those places by Oliver Berkman. He writes, I was in Milan alone for work with time to kill. So I bowed to tourist cliche and went to see the Last Supper. I'm aware this was a boringly predictable location in which to feel the spine shiver of something beyond words, transcendent, divine, but I did, and powerfully. I'm no expert, but maybe there's a reason this particular picture of some guys eating some bread is more celebrated than any other. There is a name, excuse me, that's my cat. There is a name for spaces such as this, thin places, thin places, a Celtic Christian term for those rare locales where the distance between heaven and earth collapses, as Eric Wiener puts it. They've been called the places in the world where the walls are weak, where another dimension seems nearer than usual. They might be traditionally religious spots, but they needn't be. Wiener's personal list includes Istanbul's Blue Mosque, but also Hong Kong Airport and a hole-in-the-wall Tokyo bar. The Irish origins of the phrase thin place won't surprise anyone who stood on windswept Donegal cliffs or watched dolphins off the Sheep's Head Peninsula when thought falls away and only a luminous quality remains. We're in the territory here of the ineffable, the stuff we can't express because it's beyond the power of language to do so. Explanations aren't merely useless, they threaten to get in the way. 
And now for a second reading in video form, I invite you to watch this video meditation together. To watch the video, please search YouTube for Satish Kumar, S-A-T-I-S-H-K-U-M-A-R, on What is a Sacred Place? Thank you for watching together. And I invite you now to enter into a spirit of meditation, reflection, and prayer. Right now, right here, this space, wherever you are, is sacred. Feel the floor, the ground beneath you, and know that you are on holy ground. And right here, right now, you are sacred. I invite you to put your hand on your heart and know that you are one with the divine. And in this space of openness, let us pause to welcome into our hearts the many joys and cares that move in the life of this world. On this day honoring mothers, let us give thanks for all those whose lives have nurtured ours. We give thanks for parents and guardians everywhere who are managing in these difficult times, doing their best for the children they love. We see you. We honor you. And we hold in love all those who are worried about aging parents or missing parents now gone from this earth. And all those whose parents were or are difficult or even abusive. We see you. We honor you. And we hold all in love all the families who are hungry or scared or sick and all the families who are grieving. Especially today, we lift up the family of Ahmad Arbery, shot and killed by vigilantes while he was jogging on the street. We see you, we honor you. And so let our compassion be transformed into action. In the wonderful words of Victoria Weinstein, grant us life-giving ways. Grant us strength for birthing and a nurturing spirit that we may take attentive care of those precious beings entrusted to us by biology or by destiny or by friendship fellowship or fate. Give us a mothering heart today. So may it be. And knowing that we have many people that we're carrying in our hearts, those that we are concerned for, perhaps those who are celebrating some personal joy or victory. And I invite you as you're moved to type their names into the chat if you are with us on Zoom today so that we can begin to draw our circle wider. 
we hold all these loved ones, the names both spoken and unspoken. We hold them in care and love and we wish for their deepest well-being. And now I invite you to add your own silent prayers and meditations as we continue to draw the circle. So may it be, blessed be, and amen. Please join if you can. If you have the words in the text box, this is hymn number 1008, When Our Heart is in a Holy Place.
Each Sunday, we make an offering from the bounty we're blessed to enjoy. We do so in a spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve our world and share our values. If you're joining us for the first time, please feel free to give if you wish, and also know that your presence is gift enough. Today is a Share the Plate Sunday when we give away our collection to a group that's doing good work in the world. And this month's recipient is Williamsburg House of Mercy. In just a moment, we'll welcome Helen Hansen and Nicole Lancourt to tell us a little bit about their work. Especially in these times, your support is deeply appreciated. If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click on Give Online to WUU. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to 757-500-0688. I see it's in the chat box. 757-500-0688. And follow the prompts from there. Or if you prefer to give by check, please mail your check to WUU 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia 23185. That address is also in the chat box. Thank you so much. Good morning and happy Mother's Day. Through Greater Williamsburg Outreach Mission, I've been involved with Williamsburg House of Mercy for eight years. In that time, I've watched it grow from the charitable arm of St. Bede with one full and one part-time staff to its own 501c3 with many and full and part-time staff and hundreds of volunteers who are on the front line of serving the homeless and those in need. Equally as important is the collaboration Williamsburg House of Mercy has fostered with other faith groups and government and community partners. You'll meet Shannon Wolzanowski on the video. Her leadership has helped coordinate, create this coordinated effort that makes Williamsburg House of Mercy the compassionate community that I am proud to live in. I invite you to join me in supporting this wonderful organization. Now, please welcome Nicole, who will tell you more about Williamsburg House of Mercy. Hi, 
My name is Nicole Lancourt and I'm from Williamsburg House of Mercy. Thank you for having us. Um, we provide many different human services for the people of Williamsburg, but we've put together a little video about what we're focusing on right now with our COVID response. So can we go ahead and play the video? Hi, I'm Shannon Wolosnowski. I'm Executive Director of Williamsburg House of Mercy. We're doing our community kitchen meal uh, Monday through Friday from 12 to 1 each day. We're currently doing somewhere between 50 and 80 meals a day to go from the back door. We're still providing homeless support services. We've been able to get a lot of people rapidly rehoused and we're working to make sure that everybody's in a safe place. We're doing a pantry distribution, but the pantry food includes also hygiene items, feminine hygiene products, diapers, toilet paper, baked goods, anything we can get sourced from the community. That's open Monday through Friday from 10 to 2. People can drive through. Right now we're being 100% resourced from the community. Were it not for the community, we would have run out of food in the first three days. So the fact that we've been able to, to keep this going is a testament to Williamsburg and the way that people come together in this time of crisis. We will stay open indefinitely for as long as we need to. We have no plans to close, um, to shut down the food distribution line. We can keep going as long as the food is there. We're in this for the long haul. We're poised to walk with families as long as is necessary to help them regain stability. Donations can be made through our Facebook page. They can be made by going to our website, clicking on our donate button. We have a donation drop-off area at the back. The benefit of having those, those cash donations, when we get to the point that we can buy food from the food bank again, then we can buy that food at 19 cents a pound. And I just wanna say thank you for helping us be Mercy. So as you can see, we've really focused a lot of our efforts on meeting the immediate needs that families have um, come into with the quarantine, with children being home from school, and have a lot of food security programs running right now. Our drive-through food pantry to date has served over 10,000 individuals. Um, we've distributed more than 28,000 diapers and feminine hygiene products. We're also up to around 350 meals per day that we're serving out of our own community kitchen, but also through the different restaurants and Colonial Williamsburg resorts um, who are donating meals to be given out to people. Um, and we're also, we didn't really have a lot of footage of it, but the homeless and housing services are continuing. And this is a really critical time for that. To keep families safe when they're supposed to be sheltering in place um, is really crucial. And Grace Haven Family Shelter, um, which is a partnership with you all, is one of the things that we've been able to continue. And that is so critical because it's allowing um, families, especially women and children, to be able to find a safe place where they're able to have rent and um, their food and transportation covered for them so that they can go to work that they can have childcare and they can go to school so that they can learn skills and really become financially independent. And um, the big thing with all of our human services is that we don't just meet the immediate need and walk away, but our goal really is to journey with these individuals to complete financial independence and stability. 
So all of our people um, are kept in contact with, we build relationships with them and begin that conversation um, and that process with them and stay with them until they reach that point of independence. And it truly is that community effort that makes a difference. And um, your food donations are what is keeping our doors open and keeping our drive-through food pantry running. Your financial contributions are what helps us when we are able to buy food from um, suppliers when they have food available. We are able to get that, the diapers, all of the material goods, but then also those things that we talked about, um, that whole process of helping families return to financial stability and that ongoing case management and helping them move into homes and really stand on their own two feet. So thank you so very much for that. And thank you for your prayers and um, for your volunteering as well. All of these ways are ways that we as a community are responding in strength and compassion to the needs of our neighbors. So our social media and our website have plenty of pictures um, of what we're doing if you'd like to look more. And we hope that we can see you around and volunteer with you once this quarantine is lifted as well. And thank you also to Helen and Nicole and to all of you who are giving in support of our community. There's so much need and so much disruption these days. And I know that we are really grateful for this opportunity to help. So thank you all for being a part of that. As we continue to live into our new reality, I find that I have been thinking about another community that experienced a huge disruption a very long time ago. About 2,500 years ago, the ancient Israelites had long been settled in the area around Jerusalem. They had built a beautiful temple in the city of Jerusalem. And for many generations, for the Israelite community, that temple was the center of everything. All their religious life was centered on that spot right there, one sacred place. And then they lost it. War came. And in the year 586 BCE, the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem and completely destroyed the temple. They forced some of the Israelites to go to Babylon with them. Others became refugees. And on top of all the trauma and tragedy that hit everyone in those days, the Israelites had to figure out how to practice their faith without the temple how to be themselves religiously without that sacred place that for them had been the heart of everything for a long time. Our own story today is different in many ways, but still I find it helpful to remember that other generations have made it through very disruptive times. I'm grateful that our own exile from our places of worship, including our own congregational sanctuary, is temporary. We're meeting online, not in our sacred space physically, to protect each other and to protect our neighbors. We are doing this freely, and we expect and hope that our exile will not last forever. We know that. In fact, I want you to know that next week, our safety team is going to be meeting with members of our medical response team 
to start planning for the conditions under which we would be able to return to the campus on Sundays. And I'll tell you right now, it's gonna be a while. It's gonna be a while. We will get there eventually, but we will not invite you back on campus until the public health data lets us know it's safe to do that. And so in the meantime, we too are in a sort of little exile. Many of us still miss the place and space that we love, but we are resilient and we are figuring out how to reinvent our spiritual life as a community, both together and apart. And part of that process is we have the ability to find our own sacred spaces wherever we are. That's what I want to talk with you about today, how we can find and connect to those particular places that help us connect with the holy, however we understand it, and even to create our own sanctuaries right where we are. I was so moved by the video that we saw earlier where Satish Kumar talks about the Hindu tradition that everything on earth is sacred a blade of grass, a leaf on the tree, the worm under the soil. Everything is a vessel for the holy, a home of the divine, as he says. But do you remember what he says? He says it's too big a picture for people to really grasp that everything is holy. And so we need to form a relationship with a small piece of the big picture like a place that is special to us, so that in his words, we can approach the ultimate from the intimate. To approach the ultimate from the intimate. And let's keep that in our minds while we also call to mind the reading we shared about thin places. The Celtic tradition teaches that there are some places on earth where we human beings seem to connect especially easily with the holy. The Celtic peoples call these places thin places where the veil between this world and the unseen world of spirit is particularly thin. Maybe you have felt this somewhere in your life. I remember that years ago, I had the chance to go to the Burren, which is a, a sort of a strange place on the west coast of Ireland, where the ground is made up of giant slabs of granite with grass and little wildflowers growing up through the cracks in the rock. And I have a picture, I'm going to grab my iPad because I have a picture of it that I use as the background on my iPad because um, I love it so much. Here it is. Um, you can kind of see these granite, grassy, um, sort of eerie landscapes right by the sea. And while I was there in that place, it's, it's hard to find the words to explain it, but I felt this, um, this energy inside me. It was like uh, a feeling of more alive than usual, I guess, and, and a connection to this place that I had never been before. I just wanted to stay and stay. I didn't know why. There was... Um, there was something there, I, I don't know how to explain it, but that quality of energetic connection, that's how I would describe a thin place. For you, your thin places might be somewhere quite different. And folks on Zoom, I'm gonna invite you to use the chat now and type in a note to let us know if there's a place you've been to before that feels like a thin place for you. What do you think?
Are there places you've been that just feel so special? Let's see. We have, yeah, Jess is thinking about Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. Camilla thinks of Angkor Wat. Haida, Mount Fujiyama, yeah. And Lisa, the top of Mount, Saint, Mount Helena. And Helen, oh, the cockpit of a sailboat on the ocean. Ruth, the Grand Canyon, Wayne as well. Chris, the sapsucker woods at Cornell Ornithology Institute. And Mary, on top of a mountain in Colorado. Rachel, the first time we went to Manhattan. Jana, Sedonia Trails. Asha, Vermont. Katrina, the Oregon Pacific Highway. Carolyn, Beersheba Springs overlooking Tennessee. David Welch, Denali. Carrie, Rwanda. Charlotte, St. Patrick's. Hans, the Baha'i Lotus Temple in New Delhi. Robert, again, the Grand Canyon, Table Mountain in Cape Town. Susan, the ocean in Kauai overlooking a cliff. The Pacific is not so peaceful, yes. We're having many more messages coming in and I'm inviting you to, I'll invite you to look those over and keep them coming. Those places that we are finding so special to us, you know, they might even be around the corner or even right where you are now. Because here's another thing I know from experience, part of what creates a thin space, a thin place or a sacred space is our intention our own intention. And I want to share an example of that. When I go into the little sanctuary on our campus, let's, Dave Wilcox, would you put up for us the picture of the little sanctuary? When I walk into this space, I often feel a sense of peace and stability that it's like it's in the space itself. And I have a theory about that. This is my own personal working theory, that that feeling of peace in that space is at least in part a sort of residue left by the many groups that have practiced in it, like our meditation groups, soul matters groups, the shamanic circle and others, all cultivating a peaceful mind and a connection to the holy. It's like the energy kind of gets laid down over time and remains. I think, Dave, I'll have you take that picture down now. Thank you so much. And if that is true, that, that energy can um, remain in a space that, that we add to it, then we have the power, in a sense, to create our own sacred places, our own thin places and sanctuaries with our own intention. And if that is true. That gives us a way forward in this time when we're cut off from our physical campus and the sanctuary places there that many of us hold dear. And we can, in fact, create our own sanctuaries wherever we are. And if you'll indulge me for a moment, I would like to show you my own sanctuary at home, which is actually right over my shoulder. I'm going to just lift up my screen and show you um, my couch. Oh, my dog is snoring away. She often hangs out when we're doing worship. So I want to just share with you, um, I've got this rather old futon couch here in my office with some cushions and a fuzzy blanket. That blanket, by the way, was my not-so-virtual background for our Earth Day service two weeks ago. I haven't figured out the virtual 
background thing yet. One day I'll get there. I also have um, my drum bag perched on the top of the, uh, the couch. Um, that's where I keep the drum I use for spiritual practice. And I have some meditation books over there on my bookshelf nearby. They're not all meditation books, don't worry. And a chalice handy, of course. And when we moved into this house about three years ago, I set up the space um, so that we could convert it. We, we put the futon in here so that we could convert it into a guest room. And we do occasionally use it for that. Not right now, of course. Um, but I started doing my morning spiritual practice here. And very soon, I discovered that it was easier for me to do my spiritual practice here than anywhere else in the house. I could settle into it more quickly with less, um, you know, the sort of mental chatter. And I would say that it has become for me a thin place, a personal thin place, my little local spot on earth that helps me connect with the holy. Even I could call it my sanctuary because I keep coming back and laying down those intentions for myself. I'll also share, by the way, the couch itself has some really great associations for me. My dad was a psychoanalyst who worked from home, and he had an analytic couch in his home office that I found endlessly mysterious. What secrets it knew, what insights it had helped facilitate. And so I would say that that this couch over here is my own sort of semi-analytic couch. It's a good place to think and to be. And it's a space I feel I've created to sort of, um, to sort of parent myself now that my parents are gone. And these days, it's really nice to have a space like that. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to give yourself the gift of creating a little space, a little sacred space in your own home. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be fancy. It might just be a single chair or cushion or corner. It might be a small table with a few special objects on it that you can sit next to. It can be anywhere that feels calm and safe and comfortable wherever you are. A place that can be like a sanctuary for you in these days of exile. This is a really good way to take care of yourself right now. Just spend a few minutes a day there, whatever way feels right to you. Maybe just breathing. And as you go and sit there each day, you might find that it starts to get easier to feel calm, to feel spacious, maybe even to connect to a sense of the holy as you create your own thin place and your own sanctuary. It really can be anywhere. Everything and every place is sacred and there is no wrong place to be spiritual in. So in this time of exile from the communal sanctuary that many of us miss, I hope that you will find your own sanctuary to restore and keep you as a refuge and a place of hope that will strengthen you for these days as we find our way forward together. Bless you, and thank you, and amen. Now let us say the words to extinguish the chalice. We invite you to blow out your candle at the same time. We'll paste the words in the Zoom chat. And again, we'll do this as a call and response. Extinguish the chalice. Come on, say the words. 
We extinguish this flame. Extinguish this flame. But not the light of truth. Not the light of truth. The warmth of community. Warmth of community. For the fire of commitment. Fire of commitment. Carry in our heart. We carry in our heart. Until we are together again. And as we go forth, I'm going to invite you to reach out your hands in connection. I wish you peace. I wish you courage for all the challenges to come. I wish for you the wisdom of your heart to guide you. May you know love as a gift to be received and given. And may you rest in the arms of the holy. May it be so for one and all. Blessed be and amen.